Hey, what is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of EarSense, where we are collaborating ideas to create greatness, bringing music lovers and creators alike to one show. I'm your host, The Ear God. Today, I'm sitting here with Apache Grows, an alternative R&B artist based out of Chicago, Illinois. They recently just released a two-song project called Chains. I had the fortunate opportunity to record all the vocals and mix the whole entire project. I'm really excited for us to talk about it today. Apache, how you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic, my guy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Well, I felt like this was going to be really special because ever since I started the podcast, I always had this idea of wanting to do video, but wanted to do it kind of the best quality that I possibly can make it. Um, only being five episodes in, I wanted to do something very special and really hit 2020 hard. And I know that we've had a lot of conversations about that. So I figured, hey, since you are part of a new chapter in my life, why not you be the first start of being the first video formatted on my podcast? Hey, look at that. Well, I mean, you got a good setup here. So it I know. looks like you're starting off strong. I know we're starting off very strong. Shout out to Brian Delamata um, for being my DP. Uh, really appreciate you being on board and helping us with this journey. Um, it's just really been an incredible fun being able to put together this podcast and being able to have a platform to talk about all the different projects that I work on and be able to talk about anything really creative. And so it was something that I got really excited about and be able to do that to show the faces of people that I work with and be able to showcase those in different things. I thought it was going to be really exciting. So in October, we released Chains. Yes, sir. Um, I want to kind of go back a few years prior to the start of your journey uh, in music. Yeah. What was that like? What was the transition to going into just regular life to into music? Are you talking about like the start? The start, start like the start, start. Yeah, I, I want to go <clears throat> back, like way back. Man, well, okay, so I was sitting in an office making a ton of money, mm -hmm. uh, comfortable lifestyle, and um, I just was not happy, like in any like fashion or degree of the word. So mm -hmm. I uh, I took an opportunity to quit my job, sell my house, sell my assets, pack a bag, and uh, get a one way ticket to London. And you know, so that was the start of it for me, mm -hmm. you know, but I didn't even know it was a start. I just thought that I was going to pack my bag, sell my shit. And can I cuss? Yeah. Yes. Yes. This is a, <laughs> it's not public radio. No. Um, and then it just turned in from London to Spain, then Spain to Italy, then Italy to Japan. And it's like, by the time I hit Tokyo, I like knew that this is what I was going to do for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And I spent the time to write the business plan for it. So, so with the traveling, what was the, was the traveling supposed to be in search for something or was that supposed to really just be to get away from different things and just have new experiences? I mean, it was, it was like eat, pray, love, but no love on the road. Just eat, pray, music, eat, pray, I guess. Music, yeah. <laughs> yeah, replace with music. Um, no, I don't even really know where I was at at that point in my life. You know, I was just so drowned out and I had like everything that someone's supposed to want. Mm -hmm. But it just like wasn't my life. So mm. when I just packed up all my stuff, I was like, look, man, I can come back and make this money again. It's no problem. That's yeah. like, I got the cheat code for it now. But <laughs> it was like, how do I find a life that I could be proud of? How do I find the person I'm supposed to be? So it was kind of just like uh, the great escape, to tell you the truth. Like mm -hmm. it was, it was like, for me, it was life or death. Like I literally thought that I would go insane if I didn't just give up everything that I had to, you know, try to find uh, the life that I was supposed to be living. Yeah. What were those experiences like going to those different places like Japan and to, to Spain? Oh man, to take me back home. It was great. <laughs> no, it was awesome. I mean, every, every place I was at was different and gave me a different 
lesson. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you know me and you've seen me uh, with a short sleeve or shirtless, you you see a tattoo on my arm and it's these six bars. And mm-hmm. uh, those six bars, what they represent are the six lessons that I learned because I was in six different countries. And what had happened was I learned these very, very powerful lessons that were to me, the the code and the secret to what I was searching for, and that was who am I? So I had those lessons written into my skin by the tattoo artist. I looked at the mirror, memorized them, and said, "You better not forget this, man. You figured it all out." Yeah. And then I uh, had the tattoo artist, you know, tattoo over those, so that way I was the only one who ever saw it, and I would have to constantly remind myself who I am, who I am, who I am. But every one of those countries was. It was like a whole new world. And it was mm-hmm. like, if I was on this path to discover myself, it was like that journey was already going to happen. You know, if mm-hmm. you believe in destiny, I was supposed to walk that path. But it's like every time I got to that new country, it was like I was assuming another part of me. So it was cool by the time I got done. Mm-hmm. I was phase one of evolution. Okay. You know, you, phase, okay. Yeah. Anytime you get woke, <laughs> you don't, yeah. you like are like, oh, I'm there. But then you realize as you continue life that that was just the very smallest piece of knowledge that you've gained. And now there's still a whole continuum. So yeah. every year, I'm just trying to fill that uh, fill that book with more lessons. Mm-hmm. Now, you said you had the last place you went to was the Japan, was to Japan. Yeah. And that was when you wrote the business plan for what was going to be your music career. Yeah. How did it get to that point in terms of like, where did you realize you had some type of gift to do music and you're like, you know what, I want to, this is what I want to do. Was that early on in your, uh, in your years or was that just around that time when you were going through the corporate thing? Yeah, no, I mean, like I started, I started singing in third grade, like we had electives, Mm -hmm. you know, so you like got to choose a bunch of different electives. You didn't Mm -hmm. even choose at that point. You just had like, today was PE. Yeah. One day was choir and I had a choir teacher uh, by the name of Michael Jackson. Like his name was literally, Gary. his <laughs> name was literally Gary Jackson. Oh, wow. Um, and he just gave me a solo one day and I don't know, it's like I could do it. And like everyone kind of looked at me like he can do that. We didn't know what any of that meant. You know, yeah. we're in third grade. You don't understand that, that <laughs> in that moment you've discovered the thing that's going to be your destiny mm-hmm. in life. But um yeah it was it was that moment it was like it was weird too because i was like kind of good at a lot of things but not great at anything and i wasn't popular i was like always felt as though i was an outcast but it was like that was the one thing throughout you know my childhood that was constant you know Mm -hmm. it was like i always continued up on choir and i was always better um and better and better and better and and it just you know, I had this this i think a lot of people though in the creative world or just anything in life they think it's going to happen and that was where the big change happened between the travel post and pre was I just thought that I would be like famous one day. I was like, Oh yeah. You know, I don't know if I thought I was going to go on American idol or whatever, but Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't have any songs written or anything, Mm -hmm. but I can sing and I'm going to make it, you know? So it was, it was a very, very, um, optimistic, but unrealistic. So that was really the big gift was like, deciding that if it's going to happen, I have to choose for it to happen and I have to work on it and it has to become what mm-hmm. I want. And so that's where I'm at every day. Okay. Uh, so after Japan, of all places, you because you're originally from Arizona, right? From Phoenix. Mm-hmm. What made you choose Chicago out of all places? Yeah, so I was already actually living here. Um, so um, <clears throat> I moved here for 
that corporate job. I had already worked for the company in Arizona. Mm -hmm. And then they asked me to come out here and open up an office here for them. So that's what brought me originally to Chicago by pure coincidence. You know, oh, I didn't wow. understand that it was going to be the mecca for music, mm -hmm. you know, of, of, you know, the unsigned independent artist winning a Grammy on his own. And, you know, it, even being here in the community, I didn't know that, you know, mm -hmm. I was very separated from that. So that's why it wasn't, I got to Chicago and everything was all right. It's like, no, I was in Chicago, but I was even more isolated because I didn't have my artistic friends from back home. I was by myself. And so, when I left, um, I, I was like, I, I don't know. I just came back to Chicago mm -hmm. because it felt like that's where I was supposed to go. Like, mm -hmm. I, I don't even think I had a lease or anything. Yeah, I didn't have a lease because I remember like on the route back, um, I had to like stop into Chicago, find an apartment and then fly back. And I, I went, I was dating a girl at the time. So I was, I was in Columbus, Ohio for like a month mm -hmm. and then in Arizona, um, which is where I'm from. Yeah. I went back there for about a month and then okay. I, I came back to Chicago. Oh, what? Uh, so you moved back to Chicago. Uh, you started to pursue the plan. Yeah. You made up a project called Life with Her. Is that after her? Life after uh, life after her. Just after her. Oh, just after her. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that was an interesting project when you had given it to me. One of the first days that I had met you, like just me and you. The old CD. Yeah, yeah, the old <laughs> CD. I went to go listen to it, and it was really good because it felt like there was a lot of experimenting going on. And it seemed like you were really trying to find your sound. But one of the things I do like about you that most artists don't know how to do, um, you've gotten a lot of influences. Obviously, people say you sound like The Weeknd or very similar. Certain things are inspired. You tend to lean into your inspirations rather than trying to peel the separation when we obviously know there is some inspiration there. Most people yeah. can't just admit that. And I think that was one of the things I really liked about you because I'm the same way too. I lean into my inspirations for the people that I looked up to, whether if it's producers, artists, or engineers. So I felt like that was one thing we really had in common. I was like, we have no problem saying, hey, this sounds like this. Let's use this as a reference in some way, shape, or form to add to the music. So that way we know what our baseline is. Yeah. Um, prior to us meeting, uh, you had some mutual friends um, that I became friends with pretty shortly after. Uh, C Money Wave. Yeah. So well, that, that that is where this started, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Shout out C Money. What's up? Yeah. So me and him were working on his album, which was um, Surfer Drown, and you were featured on one of the songs. Um, I remember you coming into the studio. I don't think I'd ever seen somebody dressed so nice to a studio session before, but I think you were going to like a gala or something like that. Maybe I don't know. You're, a ballet yeah, you're, yeah, like you're going. You were going somewhere fancy, and I think that was one of the things that was a good first impression was okay dude's really fashionable but yet you just had this aura about you that it's like okay we're kind of in the room like it felt like you were kind of being like the life of the party already and that wasn't even your session i remember you went into the to the booth and i remember you couldn't stop complaining about like how well you sounded in the in the vocal booth i was upset because i was like <laughs> i don't know what you got in this expensive ass gear but why do why does it it sound so good <laughs> and then i remember you didn't have anything written i think you had some ideas that he told me that yep. you had done in like a voice memo and you had sent it to him and then when you started recording i remember we just did 10 solid takes of vocals and i was like all right that's it <laughs> that's what i like about the features though man i feel like when when i'm like writing my own stuff i'm like so critical and i go over it so many times but like when it's someone else's feature and they you know 
how the start of a beat or something. I remember that song too. I, it was just the beat at first. Mm -hmm. Like, see money, let me like just come up with something originally. Mm -hmm. So that was cool because I wasn't restrained by anything. And the beat had those bed springs like in the background. Yeah. Um, and I just, you know, went to what I know. <laughs> it, it, it was nice because out of all, because I think that was in the middle of the project. And for all the types of songs that he has, that one really broke out of the element. And it was really nice because it was a nice change of pace for it to be more like up-tempo. It was partying. It was fun. And I think yep. everybody that was there felt the energy too. And I think that was immediately when I was like, I got to figure out who this dude is. And it was funny because after you left, I asked C-Money who you were and like, where did you come from? So I remember I tried looking you up on Instagram and I think it took me a minute to find you. And then finally, when I did find you, I think you like liked one of see money's pictures or something like that. Um, we ended up meeting again because you had to do a couple of like overdubs. Yeah. And then I remember you coming up to me and we're like, hey, what do I need to do to like take you out to dinner and like where we can chat? Oh, dude. I was like, because <laughs> I already knew like after that session, I was like, I need to steal this boy. <laughs> oh, so you were already on the recruit. On I the was already tip. like, I don't know. It's like, that's the thing about like, this is like life and business, mm -hmm. right? I feel both are applicable is if you're trying to accomplish something in life or you're trying to accomplish something in business, mm -hmm. it's going to require, you know, different elements, whether it's a person you meet, a lesson you learn. And like, I had already known that there was a huge gap in like what I was trying to accomplish in my mm -hmm. skills and my ideas. I like knew like from that session, I'm like, this is like, a big piece of like what I was missing. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's like, you don't have it outlined, you know, you don't know, like, this is what I need. But it's like, when I saw you, when I felt you, and we had that session, I was just like, I have to like, figure out how to get this guy to like, yeah. fuck with me. <laughs> yeah, I, re I remember you, you asked me for my number. And then I think it was like two days later, you texted me and you're like, like, hey, girl. <laughs> <laughs> You texted me and you asked me like, hey, when, when are you free to get dinner? And I think I was, it was like either within a day or two or it might have been like the day of. And we're coming over to your apartment. We go into your studio. We, all, we order Harold's. And then we just literally like spill. And Tecate. And Tecate, yeah. Tecate. Harold's and Tecate will get anybody. Definitely open me up for sure. <laughs> I mean, somebody invites you to over to eat Harold's and drink Tecate. It's have to yeah have to uh i remember just kind of filling out the vibes because you know when when you're in a session it's more different because you're like more professional you try to be more friendly but it's you kind of just keep the the distance there but i think this was the time where we both kind of were able to become vulnerable and just share things about each other in our lives and then i think that's where i immediately found a really cool connection with you because i was like wow here's somebody that has lived a life once, got rid of it all to pursue this to pursue this music dream, and that's the same thing that I was doing. Yeah, graduating high school, took a whole year off of uh, college, quote unquote, because I didn't even know what I wanted to do. Like college really wasn't even in the spectrum for me to even do it, and then let alone find a career. One random day, I was working with a friend at TJ Maxx, and he showed me that he can make beats and record at his own little home studio that he has using Fruity Loops. And I was like. You're like, what is that? What and is this? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I think I downloaded a demo of Fruity Loops. <clears throat> didn't know how to use it. So I like deleted it. 
And then a friend of mine who is a popular DJ in Chicago, and I asked him, you know, what do you do? How do you do it? And how long did it take you to start getting to where you're at? And he's like, you know what? Uh, if you want to do this, he goes, I would highly recommend going to this place called Full Sail University. He goes, they just upgraded their music program where they now have a bachelor's degree. <laughs> so I went there, did my thing, graduated. And it was funny because, you know, I was born and lived in Indiana majority of my life. But I was like, you know what? I kind of want to go back home and be in Chicago because that's where like Chance the Rapper, Rocky Fresh, mm-hmm. all these popular artists like you were talking about earlier were just making a huge scene in Chicago. I was like, I want to go back there and that's where my start's going to be. And if the case where going to LA, New York, Atlanta, you know, is in the cards, then I'll go ahead and make that move. I'm glad I did because I really wouldn't be sitting here with you. No, it's like thinking about the versions of you. I just took a second to think about New York, New Atlanta, Drew. Like, what would Atlanta, Drew, be like? I like Chicago. Probably, probably, <laughs> probably gold teeth, trying to wear all the fancy stuff. They're in Magic City. Yeah, just, on a Monday. really not be completely out of character. I would not be the same person. I like that's why I like Chicago because it's the one city where you can be creative, be grounded, kind of like in the blue collar lifestyle. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, be a little bougie and kind of have all those different things blend well. It's a beautiful city. Yeah, we're like New York. All the friends that I had that were from New York when I lived start. in Florida. No, just they all seemed very angry. They just seemed so tense all the time. So it was like you had to really watch what you say or you couldn't start an argument because you weren't going to win it. And That's then, because they, cause I, I don't know. That's like confrontation. You're trying to get on the subway, you're going to get an argument. Right? So that's I was like, you know what? Maybe New York is really not in the cards for me. And then LA just seemed expensive for number one. And number two, I'm one of those people that I definitely blend in with my surroundings. So I think I might especially if I was on my own, like in my early twenties, I think I would have definitely got caught up in all the the weird stuff. I like the weird stuff. I know you do. (laughs) (laughs) I know you try to pull me into that. Every "Ah." now and then I'm like, look behind the curtain. I know. (laughs) You might like what you see. You might like what you see. So after that meeting, you had told me that you had several songs and projects that you wanted to work on. And I was actually really nervous at first because your style of music was nothing I had ever worked on before. But yet you still trusted me to be a part of it with you. Like, what was that process? Or was that even like a gamble for you? I mean, like, uh, I don't know. It's just like, that's how you you do it. Like, I just, I'd seen you already in action. You know, I, there's there was no like harm in like us doing it. You know, you just have to like believe in things sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you have to like go at them. You know, so it's like, that's where it started. If honestly, we would have started and you would have been trash, then I'd have been like, well, it was cool. No big deal. Yeah, no big deal. You know, I would have just had to gone back and done it myself like I've been doing. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I just had everything to gain. You know, it was about just taking that leap and being like, all right, let's do this. Let's try this. Yeah. So all (laughs) the, because I know you self-produced and recorded yourself on a lot of different things. And a lot of the demos, you do really great demos, actually, by the way, compared to what I've gotten, whether if it's ready to mix or what they're going to re-record, you probably have your top two artists that has the hey. best demos that self-recorded. Was that all self-taught? You just Yeah, so when I said I went back to Columbus right when I got back, and so I went to Japan, and then I went to Paris and Switzerland, and then I flew back out of Paris. But those, mm-hmm. are, those are pretty short. Those are only like a week or so, so I don't really yeah. you know focus heavy on those. Um, but... When I came back, I gave myself like 30 days 
And that was part of the business plan was like 30 days, create a curriculum and every day, you know, work for like 12 hours on this. Like it was, it would be the only thing that I would do Mm -hmm. was just go through this curriculum. So I downloaded, uh, I'd used Ableton a couple of times in the past. So I downloaded a thing called ask videos Mm -hmm. and it was, uh, it was like, it's like a membership. It had all these unlimited videos, all these different, you know, tutorials. So I got that for like how to learn how to, produce an Ableton. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I looked at like a whole bunch of music business books, this and that. And so it was just like for those 30 days, it was just nothing but like putting myself in a classroom setting and just learning and doing and doing mm-hmm. and doing. And like, that's where I learned the majority. And then it was just about having like super awesome friends like around mm-hmm. me, like the first person actually, you know, to, to do anything with in music, um, was my homie John Marino, who, you know, we'll talk about him in Chains. Yeah. Um, but he was just like a guy that I met through another friend and he just happened to be like a legendary like guitar slash drum. I didn't even know he was a drummer. I didn't know drumming was his main instrument. Mm-hmm. I just thought he was like an amazing guitarist, but knew a ton about music, came over and worked on a couple of things with me. My friend Leo worked on a couple of things. My friend Bryce worked on a couple of things. Uh, and... Then I ended up meeting this guy named Roland, who it was funny. I like without Roland, I wouldn't like be where I'm at because mm-hmm. that project we talked about after her, the story behind it was like I made that whole project produced, written, conceptualized mm-hmm. all of the extra elements outside of even the music within six months and put it out. Yeah. Which is funny because it's like been taking me six months to do a single. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when I had it, I had this thing and I was like, dope. Now I need to find somebody to mix it because that's mm. what you do. Yeah. I, I read about it. <laughs> but I was like, didn't understand how to do that. So I was like trying to Google recording studios, this, that. And I don't remember what website it was, but it was like a freelance website. And I found all these guys were just like bit like crunchy ass images and shit like mm-hmm. that, like low presence. And I'm like, well, I don't know that. I don't know that. And then I came across this guy, Roland, had this website. It was super nice. It is really his, nice. Yeah, his mixes <laughs> were really great. And I was like, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. I ne- And I saw it. I was like, I need this guy to do the project with me. And I hit him up. And he was like, yeah, man, you know, I'm really sorry, but I'm actually quitting music and I'm going to law school. Uh, and I was like, what? I was like, damn. But he goes, but... And I was like, I told him my story. And he goes, all right, well, send it over so I can listen to it. And then he like listened to it. And then he goes, all right, I think, because we had like maybe like a couple weeks or a month before he was going to go to law school. So we like decided to work on the project. And it was like, that was the thing is like, I got to sit there with him and see how he was doing everything. You know, like, as you know, like when it comes to like mixing a song, I'm not like one of those guys where it's like, all right, here's a song and then get a copy back and be like, that's dope. It's like, you're very, I'm there with you for 14 hours, like trying to finish that thing, being like, let's change this and that. And like, I got that way because I worked with Roland so closely, Mm -hmm. you know, he, I drive all the way out to Olympia fields to like, or I'd train out there and then I would Mm -hmm. stay with him and, and we'd work on this stuff. And so I got to see how all of that happened. And I just chatted with him. Anytime I had a question, I would ask him a question. And I had friends that came along and I would just ask them, ask, ask, ask. And that's where I got to the point to where I was like, I understand music to a certain degree because of 
all the talented people around me like yourself as well mm -hmm. that I can go to and ask a question and like see them create something and be like, oh, I didn't even know that was possible. Yeah. How do you do that? And it starts bridging all of these gaps. So that's, yeah, that's how it happened for me. And so the first song me and you started working on together, which was uh, High Stakes, yeah. uh, produced by um, Deadly Habits. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting because I had talked about, I had talked this to this about you, with you a couple of days ago. I feel like for every project or everything we start, something happens. It's or like some, a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's like, there's always some crazy turn of events. Because the first day that we started putting stuff together, um, or one of the first days was the fire that happened on a couple floors up. Yeah, I was sitting there. I was stoned as hell. And this noise starts going off. And I'm like, what is that? We're all just like looking like, what is that? And then it's like the fire alarm's going off. But it's like, all right. I passed the apartment too. I was like, I don't need anything from my apartment. It's like mm -hmm. rushing out of the studio. But then when I got you guys in here, I was like, looked at you and I was like, we're on the ground floor. And like, we really need to get this project done. So like, do you guys want to go outside and wait? Or you just want to like work on this project? And, and we stayed. <laughs> we stayed. The building was on fire and we stayed in here to, to get that done because we needed to. But it turned out that it was just burnt pizza. And like, we heard that yeah. from the firemen walking by. Just burnt pizza. Uh, so yeah, that was a fire. Man, not to, not to be sensitive, but I really felt like the violin people from the Titanic were starting to go down starting to go they down just, they, just going, they play they play playing. until it ends like until it's over um that was a really interesting day and then i believe that was the day i think it was a couple days later uh we had our other session where we started mixing i remember i stayed the night we had literally mixed for like 10 hours straight slept for a couple of hours got up had breakfast milo came over and brought um that sparkling one yeah brought Osti. it's the first time i had that and the first time he came here, that was the day Nipsey Hussle died. I know. Rest in peace, my guy. We're literally just about to get set up. And then it's all like of a sudden. breaking news. Yeah, breaking news. Milo's just like, yo, Nipsey Hussle got shot. And I was like, and then we finish. We go up to dinner. And then he's like, yeah, he died. And I'm like, Asti poured Pour one for out. Nipsey Hussle. And then just recently, it was our first day of recording for this new project that we're working on. Juice World dies. It did. It's like that. <laughs> like, what is going on? Um, but Deadly Habits was a really interesting song to work on because of how like lo-fi it was, but then it had the alternative R&B elements with your vocals. I was legit kind of nervous working on that song just There's because a lot of too. how we had like seventy. You know, me and Deadly made like I don't know like seventy-three stems or something like that. You know, yeah. it was a big song. It was. I think if I'm not mistaken, it was. Close to 80 tracks, if you include like auxes and all the other stuff yeah. that's in there. It literally maxed out my computer. I was I remember because it kept it kept your computer kept freezing and it reminded me of that scene in Atlanta where, yeah, you told where me about I, this. I had to yeah. show you. I like paused the session to show you the scene where the guy's computer starts freezing and he goes, Let it happen one more time. <laughs> it happens and he's like, I think you guys should leave. <laughs> it was it was uh Definitely something that I had to go ahead and do references. I like went on Pensado's place, looked up different things of how to mix specific instruments. And one of the things I was really glad about, the main thing that I felt like we had issues with was with guitars. Because that was like one of my first sessions I mixed live guitars in. Yeah. And then obviously your vocals. Um, 
that's just you being very particular and having a lot of attention to detail, which I actually like. I'd rather have that than somebody that doesn't really know anything about sound or doesn't even care about the quality of it. And they're just like, yeah, turn my vocals up. And then it's just, it covers the whole entire song and doesn't even mm-hmm. sound good. So I'm really glad that your level of quality control is always super high. So it makes our collaboration even fun because we're just pushing each other at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, we did that. And then you said you wanted to work on a two-piece, which was interesting to me because that's been done before, but I've never really seen that done on an independent level. Usually artists kind of just do that to have one single that's of one style and then there's usually like a B-side. But the way that you went about this two-piece project with Chains, it was definitely a long, lengthy process. And I remember you wanted it done in a specific amount of time. (laughs) I always want it done in a specific amount of time. That time never happens. Never happens. It never happens. And then it's like, oh, okay, now it just has to be done now. Yeah. It's... That's you, fun, is that me? That's the one's you. It's definitely me. Um, and I remember when you gave me the session, when I finally realized it was all live instruments, I was like, okay, this is going to be another challenge. Never mixed a whole live instrumentation yeah. session before. And not only that, I remember we had to tighten up certain instruments. We started doing it. You're like, okay, this is cool. The fact that we can uh, time up the drums a little bit tighter and things like that. And I remember I brought it back to you and you're like, something still sounds off. I was like, all right, I'll just, I'll fix it at home and do all that. And then I remember staying up all night. Is it going to fit the timing when he records the vocals? Is it actually going to sound good with everything else? Then do I have to time everything else together? I remember texting you and you're just like, it's all good. Like, we'll figure it, we'll figure this out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. And I remember- It's going to get figured out. Yeah. And then I remember (laughs) just telling, I was like, you recorded it this way. It got to this point some way or another. Maybe it's one of those situations where things don't need to be perfect. That's maybe something that music probably needs nowadays because everything is timed and quantized so perfectly. Why not just kind of have those natural elements in there? And I was actually glad we did that because going back and listening to it, that's kind of part of the majority of the feel of each song. Yeah. And even when I listen to Chain specifically, it always brings me a good vibe. It, I feel really good about it because I know how hard we worked to put into it. And then the reaction that everybody got out of it when we did the release party was really yeah, cool. Yeah, was great. Yeah, we had that with the video and everything like that. That was fun. Yeah. That was probably one of my top favorite events. Yeah. I always love throwing events. They're like the the best part about like getting all this done is getting everybody together and having a good time. All right, I'm going to tell you a little bit of truth. Don't be mad. Mm. That's like one small fraction of why I was like really glad to be friends with you. You, Yeah, you weren't one of those people (laughs) that was like an excessive partier. But I know when you do go out, you do like to have a good time and you have a way with moving a crowd. Well, it's like this, man. It's like, you know, I was like young, young at one point and I did the whole like, I'm going to party every day, get faded every day, do this thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, those are some good times. But I'm so much more fulfilled now accomplishing what I'm trying to. Mm-hmm. And like, I just can't get wasted all the time. No. You know, I can have a sip or a smoke here, but it's like, I have to like dedicate work, grind, work 150 hours. But I'm also not going to just be doing that and have like a dull ass life. So yeah. it's like, instead of going out and doing it at all this time, I'm like, let's just wait. Let's do something to celebrate. And then let's go all out and just like 
turn that bitch out. I wish I had that same mentality because I literally skipped all of that throughout my 20s. Once I got to college, I was 20 when I got to Full Sail and I got out when I was about 23. That whole entire time, I literally would go to my job, go to school, come back home, record or figure out something musically that I can just sharpen those skills. And then before I knew it, 28 years old, going to be 29 in March. I literally been doing that ever since. I think I had told somebody the most I've ever gone without working on Pro Tools or being in front of something musically, like musical, I think has been four days out of the 10 years. It's a blessing, man. It is, but then it's definitely a curse because now I look back on it and knowing I could have appreciated certain moments. I could have took, you know, a couple extra days. My skills wouldn't have gotten any dollar. I would have gotten, I probably would have been better because I would have came in with a clearer head or if yeah. not, been more fulfilled of having that time apart. Um, but I think it was really crucial, I think, for the long run, because if I didn't put that consistent amount of 10 years of work in, I don't think I wouldn't, I wouldn't have discovered or found the people that I work with now that I'm like really involved in and they're all super talented. They're just like a couple of records and a couple of moves away from like really blowing up. And you're definitely one of them. So I was like, mm -hmm. it's all worth it, really. Well, it's like this too. It's like, you know, you can't live in a sterile box and try to create art because you like need inspiration. Yeah. Unless you like have the best imagination in the world and you don't need to be inspired by anything, mm -hmm. then go for it. But so you need to step out, you need to have those experiences, but there's also two like momentum. Mm -hmm. Like everybody's got a different threshold, you know? And it's like, for me, it's like, I have to like be a workaholic. Like if I don't, I'll stop for like a day and get caught in like a PlayStation VR and then I'll just like gain 400 pounds and like <laughs> for like a week and just be a complete yeah. shit bag. And then it takes so long to get back. So it's like, you know, I don't know. I feel you on that level. It's like, I like get so upset. Like, it seems like as soon as I take my foot off the gas, it's slow. And then it slows more. Mm -hmm. And then it's only been like a couple of days, but I start panicking like, oh my God, I'm not going to make it now. Like, yeah. you know, and so I'm trying to work on that too, you mm -hmm. know, at the same point, you know, but I think that that's where, you know, being dedicated, being purposeful, getting, you know, your stuff done a hundred percent, but that's why they say work hard, play hard. Yeah. You know, like I'm out here like making these R&B songs about having a great life and doing cool shit. I'm not like trying to fake that. I'm trying to have a cool life and do some mm -hmm. shit and then just talk about it. Yeah. So it's like, I got to get out there. I got to do this and that. But I, I'm not trying to hit like happy hour and go to the same bar and just like mm -hmm. blow my money. I'm trying to like see some shit that people don't get to see in some mm -hmm. place they can't get to. Yeah. So. so a question for you. So the lifestyle that you do live on a daily basis, um, part of your music is about being in that fast life. You know, you think of it being in a two-door coupe. It's only got two seats. You know, so you do have one seat for one extra person but a lot of them tend to get out because they feel like they can't be in that situation with you because they kind of want to you want you to exit and start like being grounded and like start living yeah. the normal life um does that bother you does, does that ever feel like you'll have not fulfilled that part of your life or are you really not focused on that if it happens it happens if it doesn't it's yeah i mean like I just got to be authentic to like who I am mm -hmm. and I got to do what feels right. You know, there's moments where I have to like be like, oh shit, that car's coming up. I got to hit the brake real quick, downshift, yeah. get in a different lane and punch the gas. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I have to be conscious of that because like I, I do want a life, mm -hmm. you know, 
I've worked very hard. You know, I'm very lucky right now to be surrounded by the people I'm surrounded by, to have the relationship that I do, you know, to have, you know, the resources that I do. And like that comes with like going super fast, taking a moment to like understand, you know, how I have to pivot, redo, be, I have to be conscious about the people around mm -hmm. me. But it's like, at the end of the day, man, I just like personally for myself, it's like I do it for the people around me. If I slow down slightly, it's because like the people around me like need me to, and I'll do it to an extent, but I'm not breaking, I'm not stopping, I'm not getting off, you mm -hmm. know? It's like, I don't need that for my life. Like yeah. I need to accomplish what I set out to accomplish, you know? And like, if anybody can't accept that or like understand that, it's totally fine. Like, I'm mm -hmm. not gonna be mad at you. I'm not gonna be like, you didn't believe in me, you didn't this or that. It's just like, if you didn't believe in it, you just haven't seen what I see. Like, you yeah. know, to like understand, like I can see like what could happen. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't seem like there's any other option, you know? Like, yeah. I'm not gonna see that that's a possibility and not try to get it, mm -hmm. you know, so. That's one of the things I'm really inspired <clears throat> by with you. You have a plan. You see it through, you find really great people to help be a part of that journey. Uh, you definitely sweet talk people into doing the things for you, but people get excited. I've noticed anybody that's ever been part of the projects that I've at least have been around for have always been excited and they've done it really well because they enjoy that process of doing it. It's not like one of those things where, you know, you dread coming to the studio or you're dreading working on this particular assignment. And then by the time that it's done, you don't even promote it because it's like, I didn't even want to think about that. I've worked with artists and on different projects where by the time it was done, I didn't want to have nothing to do with it. Didn't even want to be around that person. And it's not a really good relationship to have. Then you kind of know it's really not about enjoying that moment of what you create. It just becomes politics or money issues or, you know, being overworked and underpaid type of thing. And yeah. that I don't feel that with you. Um, there's one thing that you did where it made me realize that I'm going to definitely need that for myself definitely in 2020 you went out for a whole weekend at a cabin by yourself no technology besides mm -hmm. the music gear that you were working on what was that experience like with Dude, you? that was that was life that like was life like i'm like sitting in this like fast lane going fast 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 all the time working all the time it's like one thing is like you lose consciousness like you don't even comprehend reality in the same mm -hmm. degree. It's hard to relate to people. Like there's moments where I just genuinely can't relate to people mm -hmm. um, because I like get so disconnected because I'm so focused on what I want to do. But I also get disconnected with myself as well because it's like I'm so purpose and like task driven that like this needs to get done, this needs to get done. Um, so it was like amazing though because like coming into working on this upcoming project that will like tease but won't say anything about <laughs> keep it on the hush hush keep it on the hush hush um i had to sign an nda agreement NDA. just so you guys know so uh, um it was the the most beautiful gift i went all the way up in the middle of wisconsin by myself to this beautiful cabin with no cell service like if you wanted to get a hold of me you couldn't i had to call you a, like on a landline like that was there that mm. didn't have a ringer because it was shared with like the property of the people who like lived up on the mountain. Yeah. Um, Tapping your phone calls. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But um, 
it was awesome. Like the most blessed moment was after I got logged in, like it was terrifying a little bit. Cause like, everyone's like, dude, you're doing that. You're doing that. And like, they got me thinking I was going to get like abducted by some strange ass village people. So I like <laughs> went to Walmart and got this huge like hunting knife, and, like carried it on my waist the whole time. Like in the dark, it's like dark. There's no lights yeah. at all. Like you're out there, you're in this cabin and like, I'm like, all right, try me. Like that's the best <laughs> I can do. I'll give you my best and yeah. we'll see what happens. But, but waking up the next morning, and it was just absolutely beautiful. But there was a moment where I woke up and I realized there was nowhere I had to be. There was no Instagram. There was no fucked up news. There was no one trying to get a hold of me. It was just me and I had set up the studio and just the music. And I could make whatever I wanted. I could do whatever I wanted. Go for a walk, do this or that, you know. But there was like no communication. It was just yeah. me and my own ideas in this beautiful cabin with like a whole bunch of meat. I like beef tenderloin. You cooked and probably ate really good. I did. No, it was good. But yeah, it was a gift. And then, like, and then it gave me clarity, you know. It gave me a second to take a step back, look at my life, appreciate everything that's happened so far, refocusing on what I wanted to accomplish, re-understand who I was. It was like a mini like me, you know, quitting my job and traveling the world type thing. You know, mm -hmm. it, was, it was short stint, but it was very, very, very important to getting like rebalanced. Yeah. It was great because when I remember when you came back, you just had a whole different aura about you. Shit, I called you like when I was on my way back. Yeah, I, I remember like, Bro, that. Oh, you'll never know what I discovered <laughs> up on that mountain. <laughs> and I remember our first meeting that we had when you played me the demos for the project. And I was really happy to see the direction you were going in. And it seemed like it was a really great mixture for what is going to be prepared for 2020. Yeah. And then part of what we're leaving here in 2019, or at least in this decade. Yeah. And oh, decade. Damn. Yes. Decade, homie. Yeah. To the new decade. Shout out to the 2010s. Right? Bye-bye. Uh, to be honest with you, deuces. I'm, I'm ready for the next chapter. Yeah, I mean, shoot. Though. When you think about a decade, when I think about like all of those years, man. So, like that's life. That mm -hmm. was like life. That's when everything that was extremely impactful and important like happened to me mm -hmm. you know it's like whoo and that was one of the things that i had to really realize is like you can only control the your thoughts your actions yep. nobody else can and then if people disagree with it that, yeah, that, that, that shouldn't that shouldn't be something that should bother you i think about that all the time man i just think like i see these like 16 year olds like acting crazy getting rich as fuck making like moves in their career and i'm just like dude like why didn't i like wake up like <laughs> five years earlier and like started this when i was like in the roots but there's a there's a i feel like a big problem with that though because yeah to be able to be rich at that age and to have earned your money in some way shape or fashion of your talents or sometimes it's not even talents it's just being entertaining really yeah um you're not mentally prepared to handle all of those things. So it's like the people that we have seen throughout the 2010s uh, become rich and famous. How many of them have either died on drugs, uh, been killed in some brutal fashion, or if not, lose everything and just become mentally yeah. unstable? I think one of the things with the 2010s definitely was a big wake-up call, wake call. I feel like everybody that's a millennium has a lot of mental issues. And I'm glad that's becoming 
a shed in the light to be a little bit more aware. That's the thing is like, I feel like that's happened time and time again. Yeah. You know, that's the thing is like about our lives is yeah. like, if you look at the macro level of it, there's always something new. There's always something different, but it's like the same cycles we've been doing. Yeah. You know, every individual life is what's beautiful because like no one's lived the same exact life you have, mm -hmm. but we've experienced similar things, you know, these mm -hmm. emotional sets we've had, like yeah. people are seeing this, they're doing it, but it's like the challenges are getting harder. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, yeah, we're ousting people more, but it's like people don't even know what's going on because depending on who you are and what you've looked at in the past, you open up your computer and you search for something, you're going to get your own version of your own world. Yeah. You know, like we, the way social media is too, like that shit drives me nuts. Like mm -hmm. everybody knows, like I'm on the gram, I'm on this and that, like, to like promote the music, to have good business acumen, to like, yeah, see what some of my friends are up to. But like, you'll see me like not scrolling. I can't stand it. Like, you're always going to find something that you want to be in this virtual world that's not real. Mm -hmm. But that's the thing is like that person that you're seeing, they want what you have or they want what this person has. You know, it's mm -hmm. this, we're in this culture now where you're, you can show off in, in such a way that is unauthentic, but abundant. So everybody who opens up their phone, if you scroll like 20 scrolls, you're just like, damn, I'm like sitting on the subway right now about to go to work. Like yeah. all these other people are showing up, you know, but it's like, it's the same thing. It creates this, this world that everything you're living in is like made for you to witness mm -hmm. and for you not to feel as though you're adequate and to, to like have fear. And that's what mm -hmm. drives people to do all this crazy stuff is like at the end of the day, it's either a fear of like oneself, a fear of like external factors of all this doom and chaos, you know, a fear of being left behind. Mm -hmm. Like that's the thing that's backing people into a corner. And it's like hard to just like, that's why I like, I admire like some of these artists that just stray completely away like the coolest, the quote is like, the coolest thing is not caring if you're cool. Yeah. You know, like, like I'm a huge fan of Joji as an artist. He mm -hmm. was actually like, if we talk about our Spotify, like yeah. recaps, he was like number one for me. And it's like the dude got famous, like on YouTube coming up with like the Harlem shake and being like this weird, I believe he's Japanese, he lived in Japan, mm -hmm. like awkward guy, but he makes the most beautiful music. Mm -hmm. And it's cool too. Like I listen to it and I'm like, this is cool. Yeah. But he's just like being himself. His videos are weird, this and that. And I'm like, we need like more of that. People need to understand mm -hmm. that, that you don't have to pour up a cup of lean and get fucked up with Instagram models and stacks of cash. Like that's what we need to like erase. And like people are in that pursuit. And mm -hmm. it's like, that may, that may be what you need. That yeah. may be like your ultimate key to happiness. That's what you've always wanted. Mm -hmm. But like, it's hard for us to understand what we want now because like we're told, you know, how it should be. Whether yeah. it's like, was the American dream and you need to get your picket fence, your house, you need to keep all the other people away so you can get your, you know, big corporate bank mm -hmm. or it's, you know, you need to risk it all and be, a, you have your face tatted up and get completely like just disassociated with society. Like, yeah. It's like there's paths, there's endless paths, mm -hmm. but like the time that we just start putting like this one path is the right path or this one path is the right path. It's like 
it stops creativity. It stops freedom. It stops courage because like you feel displaced and you don't understand like where you're, you know, supposed to lie. And like yeah. the only way you can do that is get out of the virtual world, see what's around you, have your heart broken, fix it, <laughs> go broke, get rich, do it all. And just like experience it and understand what you feel in mm -hmm. those moments and then make your own blueprint. You know, get your own tattoo. Figure out what, <laughs> figure yeah, out what I, you yeah, want to do. Yeah, I got two tattoos just off just a random act of wanting one. And then I went ahead and did it. So I Where think, are your tattoos at? Have I seen them? Uh, they're all on my left side. So I have one on my forearm or whatever this inside of your arm is. Yeah. And then I have one on my uh, left bicep. Got to get you one of those wife beaters. A little white wife beater. Little <laughs> tattoos. I do that at the house. Mm. Don't Don't worry. But. That's nobody for else to see, just just my girl. <laughs> um, I totally agree with you because there was a, a couple of points before I had even met you uh, that I thought about retiring from doing music. Um, it became a culmination of different feelings of, I was just tired of just the politics. I was tired of, you know, working so hard on projects for damn near free just to be a part of them. And then they don't go anywhere or the stuff that I even worked on didn't even like see the light of day. I think from 2015 to 2018, no, from 2015 to 2017, I would say about 10% of the songs that I worked on actually went out. And then one, released. and then 1% actually did some sort of numbers. It yeah. wasn't until this year that I started more focusing on people I really fucked with and people that I was willing to put time and effort into. And whether if it was uh, engineering, producing, sharing some advice, introducing to different people, or just finding resources to help make this project the best that it could possibly be, started getting a lot better results. And then I was getting paid even more substantially just off the fact of they wanted to invest in me rather than just invest in the project. Yeah. And I think the more selfless we became as we worked together, we started to see better results. And I think that was where in our situation, it made me realize if I keep that focus with those people and give back exactly how much I'm getting from that person, it's it's only going to get bigger and bigger. The only time that it's not going to work is if we don't execute the plan or just stop trying. Yeah. And or if it's a bad plan. Or, yeah. Or if it's a bad plan. <laughs> uh, but so far, I think everybody's had some pretty good plans. It's just a matter of we're still in the discovery stage. You know, exactly, any plan yeah. is a good plan. You know, you go out, do it, see if it works. If it don't work, don't do it again. Or maybe try yeah. again. You know, you need a sample size, but yeah, you gotta be conscious and understand. I get you. Yeah, most definitely. Uh so there was a couple of stints where I felt like I wanted to quit music and I did. I think one point I quit for a whole year and one point I quit for like six months. But that wasn't really technically quitting because I was still doing a lot of music at home. I was making beats. I was working on mixes for people. Uh, but it was on a more of a sporadic occasion. So I still would work on Pro Tools at least an hour to two hours a day. So when I was doing my regular life, uh, spending time with my with my son, going to work, spending time with my girlfriend, you know, going out a little bit more, I was definitely happy. But I can I could tell in myself and even my girl could even see it she felt something was like not being fulfilled. Yeah. And it's like, you could give me a really nice car. You can give me all the money in the world, you know, a really big house, all the things that everybody would need to have a successful life. But there was still something missing. And it made me realize that I'm just a creative that I like to work on something and then see it, you know, be completed. 
And that was when I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this one more try. So I started doing it more on a part-time level. I was like, you know what? If it goes somewhere and I can do this as a full-time job, awesome. But if this is, yeah, this is what I can do. Full-time engineer. Yeah, that was was very scary. Being able to go to my job at the time and just say, hey, I got to put my, you know, and that was a very unlike inconvenient time for my job too. So that was where I was like, I kind of felt bad. Like it wasn't one of those moments where I was like super excited, ready to throw it in their face. I tried to make it as amicable as possible, but they were very excited for me as well. So when I left that job, you know, it's been, I think four months now and it's definitely been a struggle. Just, I felt like I put so much work in and I think I stayed here quite a few nights. And then mm-hmm. I think I stayed the night at the studio many a times. Got to a point where I wasn't even sleeping in you the bed. Because you these like 10 o'clock to like 2 a.m. sessions. And yeah. I'm just like, boy, I'm already tired. Right. And I put in a whole work day. Yeah. So that was when I felt like I just needed to be available to everybody and work on as many things as I possibly can. Just be a big, huge workhorse. And then eventually the work will, you know, will flourish. And then I just got to realize when you're too available, you just kind of become the the side hoe. Eventually, when you're not needed, you're not gonna you're not gonna get called. So I was like, you know what? I want to be the main bitch. I want to be the main person where people need you know more than I you know I need them. And so I started to really structure my schedule and really make my time very important. And if you want it, you gotta like either really pay for it or show me that it's really worth for me to take time out of my day to work with you. And I think that's really worked out. So I see that's a big, huge change that I'm glad I did before going into 2020. Um, I know we really can't talk that much about the project, but what are you excited most about working on it? I mean, I've been working on this thing for like two years and I'm just excited the most to like, get the story caught up you know it's like when i i I make music all the time right like i have like a hundred songs that i've written that Mm -hmm. are sitting like in a private soundcloud but it's like the singles are like their own little mini universe you know they're not really a time stamp of like where i'm at they're in their own story they're just random i enjoy i grew up watching movies you know Mm -hmm. like watch a million movies endless tv shows this that you know i like stories so like I enjoy writing those stories out, but like a lot of times those stories are like ideas that I've learned, experiences that I've had, but they're not about me, you know? And it's like these conceptual projects, like after her, the first, you know, project I put on was my life story up until, you know, the loss of my first real true love up until me starting music, you know? But like I wrote that, you know, and it's funny because like all of this is the past, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm writing about the life that I've already lived up until the current moment I'm in, mm-hmm. you know, and it's kind of like this project. The only thing I can say is it's like starts from that picking up where that song left off up to a certain period. A lot of my life has actually happened since where this EP is going to end, but it's like I'm excited to get that out to the world so I can be like, Hey, this is what I've been up to and, and, and continue to, to build and write on the lessons that I'm learning now and the way that my perception shaping. And also I'm going like all in on this dude. This is definitely the biggest piece of art that I will ever release up until this point. Mm-hmm. And like the effort, the amount of people that have been a part of it and that will be a part of it, you know, it's just, it's a true blessing when you see like all your homies come together to like, make your dream yeah. you know come true and to like be a part of like an art piece that they believe in so mm-hmm. 
I'm excited about it. Yeah. Speaking of the team players, uh, tell me about some of the people that have been reoccurring in a lot of the songs. So like I know in Chains, uh, John Marino was a really big yeah. part of the song. Uh, Boyan was another mm-hmm. big part of the song as well as myself. Uh, tell me a little bit about John Marino and how you guys met and how he plays into all of this. Yeah. So, I mean, I met John through a friend named Chef Webb. Shout out Chef Webb. Um, he was also the person who got me into Soho originally, which is like what sprouted me meeting so many creative people. And that's really where like things started to take off. Um, but John's the homie, man. You know, he's he was there at the very first. He was the first. Him and Leo were the mm-hmm. first people that I collaborated with when I worked on After Her and just in music in general. And, you know, he's an amazing guy. He's played countless sh- live shows with me, you know. Um, we've worked on so much music. He's given me so many like hours of his life to like work on this and build this with me. And, you know, it's awesome because he does have, um, he does have one song. Yeah. There's one song Mm -hmm. where he's, you know, playing guitar in it, which is awesome. It's like super awesome, you know, has an amazing lady and they just had a child. So it's like, yeah, yeah. Congrats, Sean. It's like that happened. Like, I don't know, time flies, but I feel like it was probably like, six months ago five mm-hmm. months ago maybe yeah time goes three months quick. ago i don't know don't we don't know when this comes out so <laughs> i get some leeway so he's like in like dad mode which is awesome but it's also like weird to like be like homie where are you at yeah <laughs> um yeah boy on everything's paid for you know that's where it started i love that dude he's boy on you are painting my ass so <laughs> but i love you so much um and Paige, uh his girlfriend as well they're just an absolute like powerhouse duo Mm -hmm. we have a piece in this project um that we worked on together i met this really awesome guy um in this town uh germany his name's gara and we have two songs that we worked on together uh shout out gara they're finally gonna come out homie i know you've been waiting (laughs) but they're gonna be coming out um oh Uh, yeah and then there's just so many people that i've worked with you Mm -hmm. know and like i said like i couldn't have gotten to the next step i would have gotten stuck on that song it's like a video game you got to beat the level before you can get to like the the next next one one. and that's so it's like there's been so many people in my life you know shout out like to like the other side of music too like i said i like i'm a musician yeah i Mm -hmm. understand that that's my core but i want to be an artist you know i don't want to just make a song and that's it I'm definitely not going to be the guy who shows up to some written lyrics and a beat and been like, all right, let's go. There's always been an aspect where I'm like, all right, let's rearrange this. Let's do this. Let's reshape this. You know, I can't like not be part of the process, but the part that comes after the music, the actual visuals, the marketing, the strategies, you know, like someone who's been constant is Brian, you know, with the chains video, you know, and he's definitely going to be a part of this project in a very massive way. And he's, we're in the first project after her. Those first videos I ever had, mm-hmm. you know, we were working at uh, that job together, sitting next to each other. And I was like, yo, you fuck around with that camera though. I got some <laughs> models and some fast cars in Arizona. Let me get you a ticket. Yeah. You want to go shoot some stuff? And we flew out there and started that. And then, you know, he's been with me through almost every one of my video projects, you know, and like Tan, my homie Tan, you know, mm-hmm. has made almost every piece of graphic that I have. My boy Amir, same situation. It's like, 
there's so many, mm-hmm. you know. So shout out to everybody. If I didn't say your name, it's because like there's a time on this podcast we have to be done by or we'd be here for a week. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, it's like the gift and I'm excited with you, man. You know, like outside of that original thing, you become one of my best friends. Like, I agree. I know it's like that too. And it's like outside of just having an amazing work relationship, you know, we have a great friendship and it's like, I need that, especially because we work so close together. Mm-hmm. Cause like, like if I'm working all the time, I don't want it to feel like I'm on an island and I got no one around me. You know, yeah. like I'm like, here, here's a paddle, bitch. <laughs> let's <laughs> start rowing. This, let's get this boat rowing. Yeah. Uh, we do it together. So, you know, I appreciate that. You yeah. Know? I love I love the work relationship we do have because it's we care about each other first. Um, I remember there's certain days where you were feeling under the weather under the weather and then I was down and out for a couple of days as yeah, well. Or just, just like you show up here and you're like I'm like, all right, let's try again. Go home, get your shit straight, take care of yourself, eat your Wheaties. Yeah. Let's come back. That, yeah, you always talk about things going wrong or crazy. It is. Like, we do it. Like, I remember when we went to work on chains, we were trying to do Lover's Addiction, and your ass got food poisoning on like the crucial day. The day it was like the day done. it had to be done. You got food poisoning, had to go home. We had to come back the next day, try to do it. And you forgot your, your laptop charger broke. So we were racing across the clock literally until like one second yeah like export shootout <laughs> thing dies and then we had to go back and do it again because something wasn't right and it's just like yeah you know those things are going to happen you know yeah. but i can shout out like brian can attest to this being one of the first people to work with me mm-hmm. my old manager ben can attest to this like a big part of being a great artist is like becoming confident and mature and understanding that like shit's going to happen yeah but like being a good person is like understanding the people that are working with you. Those are your friends. Those are your family. Mm-hmm. You need to take care of them. You know, before with Brian, you know, dude, I don't know how he tolerated me. I was like such a little punk. It's like <laughs> always like, go, 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 go. We're behind, yeah. we're behind, we're behind. And I'm snapping my fingers. and like, you know me, I'm going to make sure it gets done and yeah. I'm going to try to get it. If I got to tell you it's going to be done a week early, because I know it's going to be a week late. I'm going to do that. But at the end of the day, like we're people, we need to take care of each other. This industry is nasty too. You see these artists on these labels, bodies breaking down, mind breaking down because people were just demanding so much, you know, and I know what it feels like to have a lot demanded. And it's like, I just want you to know when we work together, we're homies, we're friends first. If you're not right, if you're not feeling right, Mm -hmm. let's figure out how to get you right. And then let's go make the music. Cause like, we're not over here. Like, just crunching timesheets, like getting the work done. Like we're like making art, you mm-hmm. know? And so you have to be in a good space. You have to have that positive energy when doing it, you know? So yeah, you take care of yourself. Most definitely. Well, I think we are out of time. We definitely have mm. to get back to working on this project. Yes, we do. Cause we got it. Uh, we're going to be recording all night after this. Yeah. We definitely have to strike everything down, get everything back to what it was and get ready to work on this project. But man, I really appreciate you taking the time out of project day. So let me set this up and literally be the premiere. Six? Episode six. Episode six. First yeah. video formatted episode. Uh, Get it on that air since, yeah. Yeah, I'm actually. Um, I think by the time this comes out, it'll probably be like a year from next, now. No, it'll be next week. <laughs> oh shit! No, it'll be it's next like week. That. Yeah, I'm already gonna be setting the setting the road up really fast. I'm excited. We can't talk about it, but like, I'm excited how we're gonna record tonight. This is gonna be dope. Yeah, it oh, will. Yeah, it's yeah, it will be. Maybe one day, 20 years from now, we'll talk about it. There we go. It's something, yeah. Give me a grant and I'll tell you whatever you need to hear. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's definitely, well, man, I appreciate you for everything. 
So hope you guys enjoyed the episode. EarSense is going to be available on all platforms where you want to listen to podcasts, whether if it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify. My main host is Anchor. The beautiful thing about Anchor, it's an app where you can have an account, you can record your own podcast, but not only that, you can actually interact with the episode. If you really like it, they have a hand clap icon that you can press. You can also leave me messages for any questions that you may want me to answer on future episodes. So hope you guys have a really great day. Enjoy this episode and cheers. Cheers. Let's cut it. Dope.